Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to a special edition of the Fearless Women podcast. I'm delighted to have Ellie Fathy on the show today. Ellie is the CEO of MindBridge AI, an exciting company in an important industry. And we're going to talk about that and so much more. Ellie is known for his business acumen, having successfully exited numerous companies and equally for his unwavering support of women. Ellie, welcome to the show. Very excited to be here. And welcome to our listeners from around the world, including USA, UK, Hong Kong, Ireland, New Zealand, and so many more countries. We want our community to grow, so please tell your friends and follow us on Instagram. Also, thanks to our amazing sponsors, 30% Club Canada, ADGA, and BDC. So, Ellie, let's get right to it. Fearless is about being bold, and you're comfortable defining ambitious goals and empowering teams. It's been really the key to your success. What's the last thing you've done that's really scared you? And then how do you move forward when you're uncertain? The last thing actually happened three months ago, which is the scale-up of the company. We are a VC-backed company, and clearly uh, we've been blessed to have fantastic talent, fantastic investors. But when you scale up the company, you only have one chance to succeed. If you scale it too early, you're going to run out of money. Mm -hmm. If you wait too long, the competition will catch up. So we doubled the size of the company in the last nine months. And we are now 111 people going to 130 people by the end of the year. So this is a massive change. Everything changes in the company, the people, the processes, and so on. So that is extremely, extremely scary. And to make the decision, that probably was the most difficult decision for me. And trying to figure out that exact right timing, as you've indicated. Absolutely. And so right away, what comes to mind for me is culture. So how do you maintain that special MindBridge AI culture you know, while you're in the midst of rapid growth? So culture is really very important. And if you hear the pundits, they'll tell you that whatever you set up at the beginning is what sticks because as you double the size of the company, so think about that following the situation. You have 10 people, you go to 20. So you can still communicate with 20. But when you go from 60 to 120, that means that 60% of or 50% of the people that were in the company have not been there six months ago. So that's, uh, So how do you solve that? You solve it the same way that you deal with your children. When they are, until the age of 9, 10, they really are mainly under your supervision and the value that you instill in them by that age will determine how they'll behave when they're going to be away from you. Well, the same thing in a company because you don't have the ability to talk to 120 people. So if you come to our office, you will see that we have 10 mantras. Each letter in MindBridge has a, some mantra associated with it. So M 
stands for make a difference, do good in the world. I stand for integrity first and no micromanagement. Uh, D, delight customers and so on. So we try to make sure that this are front and center. And if you follow these, uh, and one really good one that I can tell you people had a hard time with is ask for forgiveness, not for permission. <laughs> and that's a tough one because what is that saying? Be bold. Be bold. Move ahead. Don't just, if, if you think that it's right, just do it. Right? And these are the things that you cannot spend with 120 people to describe all of that. They have to learn that and convey it to the rest of the people. And actually, when we double the size of the company, we also double the size of the office. And people came to us on the other side and said, we want this mantra beside us. We want to see it as well. So it's, it's really, they're asking for it. That's exciting. And it conveys also trust, right? If you're, if you're asking your employees to make bold decisions, it's saying, we know you're going to make bold decisions and we trust you to make the right decisions because you're going to be following our mantras. And absolutely. And if you look at it, you want people to make decisions and you want people to make small mistakes. If you don't make any mistakes, you don't want to make big mistakes. This no. is not acceptable, right? <laughs> right? But you want to be able to make small mistakes because that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. And right? how you and, innovate. And how you innovate. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you uncover interesting things when you make those small mistakes. For yeah, sure. it's very exciting culture at MindBridge AI and you are growing so fast. So let's talk about your role as a CEO. Why do you love it? I love it because it gives me the ability to make a difference, going back to the M. If you look at my history and uh, in, as a CEO in the last, this is my seventh company, so in the last 35 years, uh, I've been involved, founded or co-founded seven companies. And the one thing that is the thread that I've seen through all of that is the company is a vehicle for me to do good. And why, why do I say that? I find that many people are self-sufficient, present well, and can take care of their career. But once in a while, you have people that, although they are diamond in the rough, are unable to really show that. And what I find that during the years, the vehicle was the company to offer people the ability to come and try something. And just tell them, you know what? Come, I recall 20 years ago, one of my friends, his son went, took geography. Well, what is it in geography? In those, those days, he could not get a job. So I said to him, you know what? Come, let's look at the IT side. He became a vice president of IT in one large company. And when he left, he said, everything that I've done was because of you. I said, no, I, all I did was give you the opportunity. You did everything else. So that's one aspect that I feel is valuable for me as a CEO. The second thing is to impact some social change. And you know that I'm very committed to uh, women in tech. And I said I became a feminist the day that my daughter was born. But Mm -hmm. people said, no, Ellie, you were a feminist well before then. And I feel very strongly that the socioeconomic perspective of Canada, and that's one of the dreams that we have to get to the equality where uh, we have 
parity in terms of in the tech industry, in the economy, economies, all of the STEM areas mm-hmm. that we, when we're doing not bad on the STEM, it's about 40%, but we really need to get to the level that is more equalized. So that's the second aspect to impact changes. And then finally, uh, as a CEO, it gives me the platform to go and talk about important things. Some of them are the AI and what's the impact that AI can do to Canada. And it's, it's a platform that I can utilize to talk about these. Tell us exactly what MindBridge AI does. So in MindBridge, we believe that every organization should be able to trust and understand the data that they have and the data they are relying on to make vital decisions. What we are doing, we are providing the tools for this organization to be able to understand what's inside the data. We call it if you want analogy, the MRI of data, we, we want to tell you what's inside the data. That's really what it's all about. We want to empower companies that do not need data scientists in order to understand the data that they have. Their own data. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to pick up on the thread when we talked about women in tech and we've been on panels together and uh, your passion is clear and your support is unwavering. So talk a little bit more about that. So when I... See, and I mentor a lot of people. I know you do. Uh, I mentor mentors and I mentor women and men. As a matter of fact, to get to the level that sometimes I said, how can you do it all? I said, because I sleep less. But almost get to the level now that it's all virtually not enough time. And sometimes I have to say, I'm starting to be able to say no because I just don't have enough time. But what I find when I mentor, the, the difference between men and women is... Um, couple of things. One is the confidence. And I'm talking about women that start companies, women that ask advice about career. Mm-hmm. And I find that men will tend to be much bolder in their ambition and they're going to, even if they're not ready for the particular job, they will go for it. Right. I'm thinking of some of the research that typically uh, men will move forward if they've got three of the 10 you right. know, qualifications and women are sort of like, I think I've got nine. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, if you've got they nine out of 11. 10, right, or 11. And 11. if you've got that, that's not yeah. the right job for you, right? There's right. no growth there. So I find that when I'm mentoring them, this is one thing. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is they don't think big enough, really. And, and I will not go into detail, but. No, go into I'll, detail. Well, say. Because, no, it's just that it's uh, related to some people that I mentor and I see they are not going bold enough. And I'm pushing them, you know, it's it's much bigger. What you have is a lot bigger than what you think it is and think a lot bigger. So these are the things that to me are, are really important when I mentor them. And as a result, the numbers speak for themselves. If you have 50-50 in the population and then you have 40 at STEM and then 11% in tech and AI, mm-hmm. the world is going to be polarized with AI. You're going Absolutely. To, one side, you have knowledge-based jobs. On the other side, you're going to have service-based jobs. We cannot have, from socioeconomic perspective, 11% in the service side. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel very strongly, because when you don't have equilibrium in nature, we know it just doesn't work. Right. It's just not going to happen. And I remember I ran, I was the chair and founder of the Corporate Social Responsibility at Algonquin College. We ran, we had 1,000 people in the last 
uh, event, and I remember it was 2012, and there was a whole notion about Occupy Wall Street, and they had tents sitting in uh, right. Confederation Square, and, and I, people asked me, I said, look, if there is an no equilibrium, people will go to the street. You, you have to make sure that we have and afford the abilities to women and people that are less fortunate, the ability to, to earn fair wage and be participating in the community. And that's why I feel that it's so strongly that I unwavering in, in this approach of helping women to, to get equality. And what does it mean if we don't have women in AI when we think in terms of the tech implications? There are three major implications. Studies, and I'm sure, Janice, no one <laughs> know better than you. I will not quote your studies, which are amazing, but I'll quote some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at our publicly traded companies, when it's women-led or you have more women on the board and on the management team, the performance is higher. The same thing applied to startup. When you have women co-founders on the management team, they perform better. Uh, studies have shown that if there was equality, if all women, if we had 50-50 right now, the GDP will increase by about uh, anywhere here. Yeah, <laughs> in the trillions of dollars. Yeah. So, so that's one, that's financial side. The other side is, believe it or not, from an AI, uh, about if women were part of the team, the data scientists that are going to participate in writing the code, the algorithms, there'll be 20% less bias mm-hmm. in the algorithms. Which and is look, huge it's, and it's has like such big implications. For sure, mm-hmm. because you're going to have errors because of the biases. And if we can eliminate that, because we're going to rely more and more on AI, you don't want to have biases in the decision-making. Yeah. Yeah, very significant. So you talked about helping emerging leaders and entrepreneurs. And you talked about the stretch of time, you know, trying to fit everything in. What's your advice uh, in in particular, because this is a show for women, what's your advice in, because you said, yes, I say yes, but now I'm starting to say no. How How do you make those decisions around managing your time and what's important and what's urgent and kind of the, you know, that constant pull? So number one, if somebody sent me an email, I do respond. So I respond and depending on the time of the month, because now I have to, I use the weekend as well Mm -hmm. uh, at night. And if I have the time, so I respond for sure. If if you send me an email, I'll Mm -hmm. respond. Mm -hmm. When people ask for meeting, uh, that's now becoming more complicated. So I'll have to basically spend my time. I delayed it by maybe for four weeks and selecting somebody to mentor now, mm-hmm. it's only if another of my mentees dropped out. So okay. you sort of have that group and then, yeah, yeah, which is reasonable. I mean, you don't have infinite time. No, I don't. <laughs> but as I said, I, I always respond no matter who it is that I don't know them. I will respond. That's amazing. As you were saying that, I was thinking about an email I haven't responded to yet. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so that's kind of this core value, that responsiveness is something that you think is vitally important. I spend every night from about 10 to 11, 30 to 12 to respond to emails. Wow. But you're also a parent. Yes. And especially now, uh, we're going to be grandparents oh. by the end of December. And we're very excited. 
Wow. Uh, my daughters uh, obviously went to school around the world, literally. Yeah. And uh, now one is in Ottawa, one is in, in Windsor. So we just came back from Windsor visiting her. So it's, it's really exciting and we're looking forward to, uh, to the grandchild. Yeah. So as you think about a grandchild, take us back to the 10-year-old you. What was that guy like? What were you into? Where'd you live? How'd you spend your time? So I was uh, born in Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were nine people in one room with a shared kitchen. And uh, when I was five years old, my father and mother moved to a, a bigger apartment. We had one room apartment uh, one and uh, so they lived in the room and we lived in the living room, six of us, and occasionally grandma. So you can assume that, uh, but you know, you're very was, agreeable. Now we yeah. understand why <laughs> you're a flexible person. Well, you had to. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, at night you pull the the beds, you know, from the double bed and you sleep in seven in one room. Wow. It's not that fun, but you know what? Uh, I never felt anything that is a problem or that felt poor, anything like that. And at that time, no internet, no television, and radio was really for news, and you really don't have it 24 hours, be Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes here and there. So what do you do? You spend time talking, right? Uh, Which is an act right now that doesn't really, activity that doesn't, people don't spend as much time. I've seen, we were in uh, Cancun last winter, and you see four teenagers, all on the phone texting in the same while eating <laughs> lunch, right? So yes. this notion of like talking and activity. And I read books, that's the only other activity, and I remember reading about Canada and the green trees everywhere and the blue lakes everywhere and said, this is the dream. This is what I visualized that I'm going to be doing. And when I came, when I became 22, I came here and... Uh, that's, that's what I've done. In terms of, as a 10-year-old, I visualized, you know, and I continue to visualize. I think this is a really good advice to young women and men. If you want to accomplish something, visualize what you want to do. I visualize that I want to be in Canada, in, see the trees, see the lakes, get my master's degree, you know, start a family. These are the things that I wanted to do, uh, and I, I've done them. Great advice on visualization, having that clear picture and those uh, direct goals. It's it's really important when because you have to set up a goal. From my perspective, uh, I talk about the fact when I mentor people that you have to set up a plan. Start idea by itself is not sufficient. You have mm-hmm. to have the idea. You have to have the roadmap. But there's one other thing that is you must have, which is a deadline. I don't know if you realize that deadline was actually a true, it was set up when there was a line in the sand and the prisoner was told, if you cross this line, you're going to die. That's why where the term deadline came from. That. Right? And that but literal line in the sand. Literally, it was lying in the sand. Wow. So the point is that without these three ingredients, it's just an idea, an idea, an action plan, and when it, you're going to achieve it. You don't have to achieve it at the time frame that you stated, but if you don't have this timeline, you're just wandering in, in the desert. You, you cannot really achieve it. You must have some deadline. And obviously things change, and that will change as well. So that's kind of 
in terms of the visualization, when you start to think, I want to go to my master. So I, I said, the day that I'm going to get my master's degree. In but Canada, in you Canada, said? Okay, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And I said, there's no way. These are the goals that I'm going to have. And I got, I went through Algonquin to Ottawa U, engineering, and then the master's. And I was going to get it no matter what. I, I stopped in between mm -hmm. to, to work for mm -hmm. two years, and then I got it. So the, the key is that you have to visualize, and to visualize I'm going to be on the podium. And, and who is doing it a lot are the athletes. Yes. They're told, of, imagine, visualize that you're on the podium and the Canadian flag is raised and you hear the, the anthem. They, you have to visualize in order to know that this is what you want to achieve. Yeah, and I know there's some research around the effectiveness of, you know, for athletes, especially Olympians, as they're going through, whether it's the track or, you know, whatever their activity is, yeah. that it's of equal benefit to actually doing one extra workout. Yes. You know, because they're, they're seeing themselves go through it successfully. Very powerful. So you have your master's in? Uh, in uh, Basically, I did it on... Uh, both computers and engineering, it was <coughs> a software, how to uh, create multi-microprocessor systems. So that was 1981. Mm. And you've yeah. written books and many articles. And yeah. please tell us your blog. So people who want to get more of this amazing advice. So, uh, so far I've written 18 blogs. Now, these blogs, I'm talking about four pages long. Uh, and they, they really span on... What do you do to start a company? How do you manage your time? Um, for example, one th advice that I give, and it, it's made into two parts. I'll talk about the advice in a second, but it's made of two parts. Mm -hmm. um, first, I talk about the subject, and then I give some story so you can remember. So, uh, so some of the advice is, for example, don't compete with other people. Compete with yourself. Agreed. It's a losing proposition to compete with other people. I talk about the fact that sometimes, and I, I use antidotes. For example, uh, Abe Lincoln used to say, if I have uh, an axe and a patch of trees to cut and I have six hours, I will four, use four hours to sharpen my, my axe, axe and two, uh, two hours <laughs> to cut. Mm -hmm. So... When you think about something like that, you'll remember it because mm -hmm. it's, it's very vivid, mm -hmm. right? Or you hear about uh, the story that uh, famous Covey uh, talked about, about this guy that passes by a village and he sees people working and he asks the first one, what are you doing? So, oh, I'm hauling bricks. And he asked the second guy, and what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just uh, building a wall. And he asked the third one, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a castle, right? Thinking big and things like that. So mm -hmm. each of these blogs have these kind of stories. Uh, I call it business rule. So, and, and it's, I have, so far I have 18. I have 12 more, but the last year and a half, I just <laughs> ran out of time. So I'm having more blogs on technology as opposed to uh, the advice. But if you go on my LinkedIn, mm -hmm. They're all there. They're all 18 of them. Okay. That's amazing. So let's talk about a project that is very exciting. It's bold. 
Um, and it goes back to your uh, making a difference. Let's talk about your hero initiative. What is it? Why are you inspired to do this? And where can people get more information? So at MindBridge, we are really committed to inclusion and diversity for all the reasons that we identified so far. And when we try to do it in practice, we found that uh, it wasn't that easy. Uh, when with deliberate intent to do it, you do also get the pressure of the investors and, and the market. And I have example where we tried to hire in one position and we offered it to four highly qualified women and one accepted and then decided to stay at the company because they offered a counter offer and the other three actually decided to start their own companies. Mm -hmm. And so the available pool we recognize is fixed. So how do you change that? So going back from engineering perspective, I'm an engineer, okay, how do we change that? So you have two paths to change. One, if you look again at the studies, and, and Janice, you have done a lot of these, mm -hmm. young girls at the age of eight uh, develop much faster than boys at this age. Mm -hmm. And at that age, they have the curiosity for science, and it's probably uh, equal at that point. But as they get to age 10, 11, 12, somehow this curiosity gets dumped for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get the pool growing, this is a journey of 10 to 15 years from grade 10 or grade 6 all the way to university, finish university and so on. And this will involve governments, will involve parents and will involve the educators. And we should do it. But then you ask the question, is there a fastest path to get to have more women available in the pool? And in this case, having more women leaders, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you look at Mindbridge, we have 60 or so engineers, and we probably have 15 to 20% women and, and growing. But on the average in the company, we have over 30% or roughly 30% of women. So how do we do it? So the area to follow is the leadership path. So we decided that we're going to, with participation with Ottawa U, Carlton, and Algonquin, we have, uh, in the last Impact AI conference, we uh, talked about the HERS initiative. So HEROES, but emphasis on mm. HER. Mm -hmm. And what we are saying in this, that we're going to bring tw 20 young women uh, to one-day session, one in the fall and one in the spring, and we're going to bring uh, women, accomplished women and men, because it's really important that it will be both, and teach them, and we would like to work with you, Janice, on mm -hmm. the agenda as of we course. discuss. Mm -hmm. uh, we're meeting with Ottawa U in two weeks to, to start to build the agenda. And that will be step one. Step one is to have these 20 women uh, and emphasis to try to build confidence uh, and get them to see accomplished women and see how get great role model. We feel that one of the limitation of why women's are not, not more women, young women are moving into it is they need role models. I want to be like Janice. I mm -hmm. want to be like, mm -hmm. right? So step, step two is going to be, the idea is to create a boot camp 
where we have four or five days when we bring uh, the same 20 women and now we involve enterprises and we try to get internship based on merit. Mm-hmm. So it's not handout. The, the 20 women should be selected on merit and the enterprises should select them on merit. And the enterprise should offer them the ability to do internship with emphasis on leadership. And then if that works, we would like to have that put across Canada to other universities. And clearly, we are only the catalyst. We cannot really do it. We are uh, promoting it and pushing it, but it will be at the end of the day the academic institution that will have to certify it. So the notion is if we are successful and we have to be successful, is that if you look at having 20 women in Ottawa each year and 20 women in other cities, we can have four or 500 women leaders that are going into the pool of leadership that mm-hmm. right now are not there. Mm-hmm. So, And there is no silver bullet. There is no one size fits all. We cannot solve the issue of creating the pool overnight. But if we can add 500 women in this method and there'll be other initiatives, then we're going to get to the goal of equality a lot faster. Intent is so important, right? Having the intention to want change and then adding to it, having the courage to actually make those bold moves. And, and I, and Janice, as you know, you and I spoke about it. Every time that we talk to anybody on this, men or women, they absolutely, I want to be part of it and I want to help. So the intent across the board, I mean, there is the goodwill. There is goodwill in Canada, I believe right now, goodwill across the board. And millennials right now are very supportive and I think that we have the opportunity to make a difference. It's very inspiring. So final question, Ali, as we think about this amazing program and all that you're doing for women and men in our country, what is your dream for Canada? So Canada, if you look at it, our GDP represents about 2% of the global economy. AI, and we cannot ignore what's going to happen, PwC did a study and they identify, predicted that by the year 2030, uh, it, AI will add $15.7 trillion to the world economy. And the notion is that Canada, US, and China will really aid the major benefit benefactors. So now, what do we want for Canada? We, we want to have, on the one hand, ability to maintain our standard of living. We have a lot of, uh, this is the best country in the world, we want to succeed and we want to maintain standard of living. So if we can take part of that. So we want to see a world that we are leaders in AI. We want to see a world where there are women and men, we have equality on the workplace, and we want to see a world where there is inclusion, inclusiveness of all minorities and visible minorities. So. So we have a country that is going to be the happy, you know, on the happy uh, happiness index, index, happiness yeah. index mm-hmm. to be up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what my vision for Canada is. It's a beautiful dream for Canada. Thank you, Ellie, for sharing it. It has been incredible to have Ellie Fathy, CEO of MindBridge AI, champion of women in tech and business, and overall great guy on our special edition of the Fearless Women podcast. Thank you, Ellie. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. 
We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to the 30% Club Canada for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. The 30% Club believes that gender balance on boards and in senior management not only encourages better leadership and governance, but diversity further contributes to better all-around board performance and ultimately increased corporate performance for both companies and their shareholders. Want to learn more? Visit their website, 30percentclub.org, and select the Canada chapter to find out about membership, supporters, and key resources. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.